Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. I am recording today in Boulder, Colorado, and my guest on the show is Emery Hall. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Um, Clay and I took a few days off here to hang out with her and Trevor, celebrate both of our birthdays, and actually do a whole lot of nothing, which has been pretty incredible. Um, So if you do not know Emery, uh, she is a magical, brilliant goddess of a human being. She's a writer. She's a photographer. She's a lot of things. But most importantly, (laughs) she's my best friend. Um, And we met, I think, a year and a half ago, and I don't think a day has gone by uh, since then that we haven't talked to one another, communicated in some way. Um, We have worked together. We have traveled together to Nepal, to Florida, to everywhere. Um, We play, we cry, we laugh, we pray, uh, all of the things. Our relationship is a special one. And today on this episode, we dive deep into how we met. We talk about Nepal, her relationship with Nepal, her process as an artist, launching and selling out her first retreat or her first trip um, to Nepal. And then we dive into my favorite thing about Emery, which is her devotion and how she teaches me every single day and how much she's impacted my spirituality and my life. It's a really good episode. It's I know I say this all the time, but I think this just might be the most special episode um, that I've had. We're, we're very close and she inspires me very much and I'm very grateful to be sitting here today recording this today. Um, life is pretty surreal <laughs> just as I reflect on that, just to be here sitting here um, everything is perfect (laughs) and from an anxious little mind that is a good reminder so I am really excited for you to listen to this episode thank you thank you thank you as always for tuning in and for being here I hope you enjoy it Emery Hall is a Boulder, Colorado-based photographer, writer, and creative. Her work documents the complex realities, vibrant cultures, and ancient wisdom of communities from the farthest reaches of the Himalayas to the Mesopotamic borders of the Middle East. An exploration of the beauty and strength of the human spirit, Emery's work fosters a deep sense of connection and wonder for all those who experience it. Emery's work has been exhibited in galleries and published across the United States and internationally. She has worked with internationally acclaimed recording artists, teachers, artists, brands, and more. She also happens to be one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Welcome. The best friend. (laughs) Welcome, Emery. Thanks for having me, KJ. How do you feel? So good. I feel like this is sort of a long time coming. Yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> Thanks to me and my resistance. We've been talking about doing this podcast for a while. But timing is everything. It's everything. And here we are in the little shrine room. We're sitting in your little shrine room in Boulder. We just celebrated our birthdays together this yes. week by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> by playing. <laughs> we played all week like little kids. Yeah, actually. We've been playing cards and basketball. And Emery <laughs> turns out is super athletic. <laughs> I, I forgot to – I should have like updated your bio. Yeah, totally. Turns out she can throw a mean – what is it? A spiral. A spiral. Yeah. I have a mean arm. <laughs> okay, we can cut all this out. No. <laughs> this has been a fun week. So we were here for the Red Rocks show, which was incredible. Yes. You took amazing photos. Thanks. It was so It good. was so fun. It was so good. And we just decided to celebrate our birthdays together um, this week in Boulder. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Jai Ma. Jai Ma. Um, so I thought we could first maybe start by how we met. Oh, yeah. That was kind of the universe just put us in a moment yeah. together do you on a screen. Do you want to tell it or should I? We can, I can tell it. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> I met Krista at a really interesting moment in my artistic journey and slash life journey in general, but um, I was on a walk in Boulder um, around a lake in the winter. It was like 
one of my favorite loops. And I randomly decided to walk to a friend's house and grab a glass of water because I was really thirsty. <laughs> and uh, my friend was home and I like plopped on her bed because she was in a, on like a Zoom uh, inter- or meeting with yeah. a bunch of different faces on a screen. And I'll never forget in this little teeny top right screen, there was this <laughs> little blonde girl sitting there who I think you introduced yourself and we were like, or maybe we didn't even, I don't even think no. we even spoke in no, that moment. No, we didn't speak. No, but um, it just seems like a such a small, simple moment that has totally, they say, everything. yeah, that changed the course of both of our rivers, I would say. Yeah. Um, and like a couple days after that little Zoom meeting, um, Krista reached out to me on Instagram. She slid, slid into, into my DMs. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. So embarrassing. Um, and basically it was like, yeah, just I'm a fan of your work and um, I think I could help you. And at that point I was launching my new website. Um, Emeryhall.com. Emeryhall.com. Um, and it was kind of like the perfect moment. It was, I was in a, I was launching my new website, um, but which all looked great, but the behind it, I was in like a major um, resistance. I, I would not. She says it's resistance. It wasn't. It wasn't even resistance. It was honestly just not knowing how to make it work as an artist, um, like specifically financially, but just in my life in general. Like right. I am fully aware and um, know that I came to this world to be an artist and to share my creative vision with the world, but how that actually translates into like building a life for myself. Like I was very confused at that moment, um, as to how to do it and how to make a living off of it and, um, where I should go. And I remember Krista and I jumped on the phone, I think maybe like a week later after Mm -hmm. that Instagram message. And, um, I just remember talking to you for hours about like, I was thinking about starting to photograph weddings, which um, was not what I wanted to do, but um, was just a way to like have a better income. Um, and or I was like, maybe I just honestly shouldn't be a photographer anymore. Um, it was like pretty, I went pretty deep. Was deep. I was, yeah, it was super deep. I was just like confused and um, couldn't figure out how to make it sustainable for me. And Krista I'll never forget, you gave me the biggest exhale I had had in one of the biggest exhales of my life. She was like, you don't need to do anything that you're not passionate about. You can make this work and I can help you. And fast forward a year later and oh my God. We've had a gallery opening, your spot, your stuff in two places, launched and sold out two retreats. Yeah. All from your passion. But I think I just want to back up for a second because, well, first of all, the piece of that story that Emery left out mm-hmm. is um, I was a major fan of Emery. I obviously have been listening to Trevor's music for a long time, but was actually very intrigued and curious by his wife. Um, and so I started following you. And when you launched the website, I said to Clay, um, this is the kind of person I want to be working with. And he goes, you got to reach out. You got to reach out. And I'm a little bit um, stubborn, and I don't reach out. I like to put it out to the universe, and typically, oftentimes, if it's right, that person will come my way. And I saw Emery walking into the screen of my (laughs) Zoom call 24 hours later, a sign to reach out. Um, So I did. And we've basically talked almost every day since. (laughs) But the other thing I wanted to mention is two really interesting things about Emery and I think artists in general. One, you're a Virgo moon, um, which <laughs> is a blessing oh and a curse um, because everything uh, – she sees things and it's the perfectionist, you know. Yeah. And so it's hard to launch, especially when it's your art, if it's not perfect, right? Or, yeah. you know, and it helps especially when we're editing together or building stuff together. We've done a lot of collaborations and she'll catch things that I would never see, like if a line is off or something's not centered. So in that in that case, it's an amazing partnership but also just the needing the website to be perfect and the needing everything to be exactly right and not just launching is a very Virgo thing, but also an artist. Um, it's really hard to sell yourself, let alone yes. your art. So there's like two things there, like selling yourself 
you know, if you're a service-based sort of industry, like a yoga teacher or a massage therapist or something like that, you're selling yourself. But then to sell your art is like this deep piece of your soul that you're just putting out there into the world. And Emery is probably the most authentic human I've ever met. So it's really um, challenging. Like it's been a big struggle for you to actually put this art out into the world and have people pay for it and like come look at it when you're creating to create. Yeah. And to me, for her to stop that process when she was saying, you know, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It was like, oh my God, like this is why I'm here. This is like my purpose (laughs) on this earth is to make sure the artists and the healers and the people that are, you know, here to teach, I do believe that about Emery, um, can do it and find abundance doing Mm. it. So we sort of dove in um, to, to creating together (laughs) and laughing together and crying together and traveling together, starting with Nepal. Yes. So I actually went to Nepal with Emery last year, uh, a month before my wedding. Yeah. And just like not that long after we had met, which now that I'm thinking back (laughs) on it, I'm like, what, how did that happen? I don't know. I have no idea. But I can remember the moment I was on a retreat with another client and I got a a text from Emery. We were pretty close at that time because we got pretty close pretty quickly, which knowing you now is kind of funny because (laughs) you don't get that close with people very quickly. Trevor calls me a vault. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point we had been talking pretty regularly and I get a text out of the blue that's like, I want you to come with me to Nepal. Yeah. And it was a fuck yes moment. It was yeah. so terrifying. For me too. Yeah. I've never been more afraid. I think I was more afraid of that than getting married. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> and I said yes. So like a month and a half later, I got on a plane by myself. By herself. And she's the worst flyer ever. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about that flying story. So we, I flew to Nepal and circled over Nepal for, for hours because hours. Modi was landing and they shut down the Kathmandu airport. And I just watched on this little screen, Krista just circling over and over Nepal again yeah. and again. So we got rerouted to Calcutta. Yeah. Um, and I was actually fairly calm. I think the fear of like things happening for me is worse than it actually happening. But yeah. I knew you were afraid yeah. for me yeah. being afraid. So and we couldn't talk, whatever. Yeah. But Anyway, I got to Nepal and there and, she was. And the best moment happened because Chris and I call each other Ustav Stay, which is Nepali <laughs> for same, same. And I was, when I was going to pick her up at the airport, I was with my taxi driver and he was, I was like trying to find Krista in like the mad rush of so many people because the airport had reopened. And the Nepali driver, he was like asking me like, oh, where's she coming from? And I was like, oh, she's like coming from America. And he's like, okay, what does she look like? I'll look out for her. And I was like, oh, she's just like blonde and just like, yeah, American girl, whatever. And I see her out of the corner of my eye and I ran up to you and you were like in a group of Nepali guys, like using their cell phones, like already made best friends with a bunch of randos. (laughs) And I brought her back to the taxi and like we both got in, like put your backpack in the back, closed the door, slammed the door. And the taxi driver just turned around and looked at us and goes, oh, same, same. Ustaz stay. And no, he goes, Ustaz stay. And then you speak Nepali. Yeah. So Emery knew that that meant same, same. Same, same. And so that's what we, stay ever since. So that's what we call each other now. And we ended up having the most incredible experience in Nepal. Um I mean, you've been many times, and I want to talk about that, Um, but it was my first time, and uh, India has, you know, been on my mind, but for some reason, Nepal was just, like, calling, Mm -hmm. and I I went, and there isn't a day that goes by where I don't think about that experience, and just the whole thing. I mean, I miss Nepal every day. It, like, gets into you. It changes you. And seeing Emery in Nepal, she, like, literally becomes, like, a (laughs) Nepali village girl, like, fluent in the language, bartering with the taxi drivers. I mean, this whole person came out of you. And I think that's when I really fell in love, like, with who you are and realized, okay, we got to take people back here. Yeah. But not on that hike. Not on the hike I took her on. We'll we'll save that for another one. Well, the trip's already sold out. Yeah. So now, so they can't turn back now. 
<laughs> True. <laughs> no, we had a, a quite an epic hike that we are not taking people uh, no. back on that exact It was hike. a little too intense, but it was meant for us for whatever reason. You really find yourself. You really do. My favorite part of that hike was when we were like, doing our gratitude list because oh. we were so, <laughs> so tired. Oh, my God. And, like, I mean – Honestly, hiking in the Himalayas, Emery's like hiked the Himalayas many, 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 many times. And for me, it was a first. And it was just like all you can focus on is putting one foot in front of the other. And at this point, we were coming downhill, which turns out is a lot harder than going uphill. So we made a gratitude list of, uh, we went all the way to like avocados. Avocados. We were like, like, uh, it started uh, with our husbands, of course. course. (laughs) They're going to love to hear that. We, I don't even know. Kombucha. Like, we were just on a roll. Like, Blankets, it was just the littlest massage things. Massage it. Like, massage, just yeah. anything that we were so grateful for. So it was uh, safe to say an amazing trip. And yeah. I knew in that moment the way to experience Nepal is through Emery's eyes because she sees things. She has this connection to the land, to the culture, to the people. Um, speaking the language, I think game changer. Yeah. Um, and so we're going back. We're going back in October. We're taking 24 great souls. What was that process like? I know it was, um, it's big. Like this has been 10 years in the making for you. So you you start, you went your first time. Let's talk about that for a minute. Like when you sort of discovered Nepal. Nepal. Um, I went after... I went on like a gap year after my freshman year of college. I was super um, just kind of uninspired by American academia and felt like I was just suffocating and not learning at a depth that I was hungry for. And I was so hungry. Oh, my God. I was so hungry. I was – I and like you, I thought about India a lot, you know, and Nepal wasn't totally on my radar for a minute. But um, I wanted something more, and it just wasn't – enough, like just sitting in a classroom and reading about Hinduism or reading philosophy. Like I wanted to go and live it. Like Mm -hmm. that's just very much a part of my nature. I like to go in and deep. Um, And I got on a plane and went to Nepal in 2010 and went and lived with a family that didn't speak a word of English. And um, In Kathmandu. In Kathmandu, in the main city of Nepal. Um. I went with an amazing program called Where There Be Dragons, um, which is not your typical study abroad program because it's very um, much about cultural immersion and experiential education. And they really had you like live it, like live it like a local. Um, And you're a local, that's for sure. It's like unbelievable. (laughs) I, I honestly, I feel way more Nepali than I do American. And I say that a lot to people I talk to that I honestly can say even sitting here in Boulder, Colorado, it is home for me, but, um, I do feel far more at home in Nepal than I do anywhere else in the world. It just, I mean, it changed the whole course of your life. I mean, you were already taking photos before Nepal or is that what really inspired it? I I actually don't know the answer to this. That's funny. I was, um, in high school, my refuge was the dark room. So I did film and I would skip class and I would go in the dark room and there was something about being in that room and literally putting on headphones and listening to music and getting lost in literally like working with light. And it was a quiet space. Like I really didn't like high school, you know, that much. Um, I always struggled in like kind of those, like I never really found my place, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was like my background, but I never in a million years thought I would become a photographer. Like when I went to my freshman year of college, I went as an English major because I wanted to be a writer. Which you also are. Which is, it's interesting. It's come back full circle because there was a moment then where I was only doing photography, which was shortly after my first trip to Nepal. Um, And uh, now my writing has kind of seeped back in. And I realized that a lot of the magic happens where I can write the stories behind my photographs. I think it takes people to a different level, but Honestly, I went on my first trip to Nepal. I just took my camera to take my camera. Like I didn't, I didn't expect to do anything with the photos. And what happened for me, the magic kind of aha moment was coming back and like having my cousins and my family sit down in my living room and just show them the photos just to show them like what I had experienced. And it was the reaction Mm -hmm. and the questions and the conversations that happened in that moment of sharing 
that made me realize that, wow, you can really transport people through imagery. And I had deeper conversations about life and death and um, everything in between that with people that I had never had conversations with that like before, you know, people were, it was just amazing to, it was a spark, you know, and Honestly, even in that moment, I didn't think I was going to become a photographer, but it just kept happening. I kept going back. I ended up spending the semester in Nepal, flying home for the holidays, and didn't have any plan for the rest of the school year for the second semester, and I just booked my ticket right back. Back to Nepal. Worked as a photojournalist for a magazine there, um, went on another um, pilgrimage, and I've just, I've gone back, I think, eight times then, and... um, I realized that my photography was just like my outlet to share my story and really beyond sharing the story, it's literally sharing my heart with people. Like I, where I can't find words, my imagery speaks. Right. Um, But the partnership of the two, I think that to me is like the, the magic of the art and like what you've managed to put out to the world. So um, uh, you launched a, um, you had an opening, you had a big, what is it called? A show, a gallery? Yeah, an exhibit. An exhibit at the BCC, the Boulder Creative Collective here in Boulder. And it was called Stories from a Mountain Kingdom. And when you come in, um, there's, you know, the the gallery, all the photos are there, but everyone got a book, like a little booklet and there was a story that Emery had written, wrote, written, yeah, written with yeah. each that went with each photo. Yeah. And seeing the people come through, like there was at one point, I mean, a hundred people there, and it was almost silent. I know that was because an they were moment. reading every story. Like they came in, and the story that it weaved was just that's to me the most profound thing. Yeah. Like when you get to read, I mean, you look at this gorgeous picture of this Baba and, right. you know, but then you read the story of this villager on a hilltop that had never seen a photo of himself before. And that was the reality. You know, like there's just yeah. so much depth that a picture, of course you feel something, but to actually read the story behind it for sure was incredible. So that to me was like, okay, we're writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say we? Yeah. We're writing a book. <laughs> we're writing a book. Yeah. But that's like, it has to be both. It does. Like, me. that's to me. I mean, obviously, one over the other is really amazing. And I think that's been a really funny thing about Instagram for you mm. is because it's this outlet that allows you to showcase the photography and, and the writing, writing together. Yeah. And you can say what you want about Instagram, but it's how I found you. Yeah. And how I fell in love with Nepal yeah. is through those photos. And I think how 90% of the people coming on our trip. Right fell in love with Nepal. So what's your relationship with that like? Sharing it in social media in 2019, these like precious moments because mm. it has this impact, but it's also yeah. so weird. It is weird. I think that um, I like actually love Instagram because if you think about it, it's like it's the marriage of my two greatest right. passions. Yeah. Like, like it's like writing and photos and I love it. And I find a lot of inspiration from other artists on Instagram and the connections that I've made. Hello. Sitting next to my best friend. Hello. Like, hello. <laughs> was through Instagram. So it's an incredibly powerful platform. So anybody who's just writing off social media is all bad. I would challenge them on that because there is so much magic that can happen mm-hmm. and so much awareness that can be spread and gained on those platforms if they're used correctly. And when, where I find fault with it is really the inauthenticity that pervades those platforms and this kind of false perception of, um, people's lives looking a certain way or being a certain way. And as we say, always the compare and despair that happens from that. Um, I'm definitely guilty of that at times for sure, but where I just always come back to is like my only intention with sharing is to share from an authentic space. And it doesn't matter if a photo gets 10 likes or 10,000 likes, if the content is meaningful and authentic and deep and powerful, then like, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's how I'll continue to use it and continue to share. Yeah. Um, it's been really beautiful watching your process. I remember one of the first things I said to you was post a picture of yourself. Oh my god! It, like <laughs> I did I remember, not want to no, do that ever. But I changed my tune a little bit yes. only because I feel like I 
I personally love getting to know the faces behind the brands that I support. As do many people. Yes, because yeah. people follow people, as you say. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm already using your lingo, oh Lord. Yes. Um, and I think that, like, I love connecting with the people, yeah, behind the brands. And I was I, – I don't Hiding think there was one photo of me bit. when – when you met me. No, there ago. wasn't. There was one of the back of your head. <laughs> and I said to her, I was like, listen, like if we're really going to take this thing to the next level, people are going to have to know you. Um, you know, it's Emery's connection to it that right. makes it so profound. It's her why that you hadn't yeah. really shared. You shared stories and of course experiences and beautiful yeah. poetry and just all of your writing is just so profound, but you hadn't really shared who you are why you do it, yeah. you know, how you're well, here. I've, I think that like, for me, like the why was like secondary to the, to like the thing. And right. the thing is like the beauty and ancient wisdom of these places that have inspired me. Like, who am I? Like, I'm changing my tune a bit for sure. But like, why does like, why do I matter in the face? Like my whole mission or like, why I'm here is because I like revere these ancient traditions that are being lost and this wisdom and this beauty that like the modern world is just writing off. Yeah. And so like my wife always felt, or me, I felt less important than like the space or the place or the tradition that I was actually sharing. Right. If it wasn't for you, um, these people wouldn't be coming to Nepal, right? Like there's what, what yes. sets it apart for me is um, there's this beauty in these traditions, of mm -hmm. course, but I can't really resonate with that. Yeah. What I resonate with is you, yeah. this person that grew up very similar to me in a very wealthy yeah. culture. We're very privileged. We're very lucky to yeah. live the lives that we lead, and this is what you've chosen to do with your life, and this is how profound the work is and how it's affected you and transformed you that I can relate to. Yeah. And so sharing it through your eyes and, and it's so authentic, it's so real, but if it's not for, you know, really believing in, oh, okay, who is this person that's sharing this mm -hmm. work and why does it matter? Then it becomes this whole nother thing. And like, you know, if people didn't know who you were, like they wouldn't really feel comfortable coming with us to Nepal yeah. for two weeks. <laughs> So I think, you know, it's like, no, I see your side, I especially do. after going to Nepal with you yeah. to me, like, I, I really believe like anybody that goes to Nepal is going to have an experience, but going with you, um, there is something that you bring to it and it's not an ego thing. It's like you were put on this earth to be this person that looks the way you do and sounds the way you do and talks the way you do to bring this, um, ancient, ancient culture and wisdom, like into Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like truly sounds so weird you know yeah. to like profoundly affect all of these people I didn't even want to go to Nepal before I, I I met you and saw the photos and I know I've talked to many people coming on this trip that yeah. have fallen in love with Nepal through your eyes and want you to be the one to share it right. and so it's I mean it's it's amazing it's cool and it's been a journey to kind of watch you yeah. come out of your shell that way and for me it was so rewarding because the day that you shared that post it just got so much yeah. engagement and people were just so grateful to yeah. like understand you and people just want to connect like yeah. we're here to connect and it's feel true. with one another and once yeah. people started being able to connect with you and then you started getting up and talking in front of people oh, and yeah. sharing and reading and I remember we were in a meeting together it was one of the first meetings and I finally like shut up <laughs> and you started speaking and I'm like oh my god like Every word, I, like so eloquent, so thoughtful, so beautiful. And it's like truly why I, I do what I do is to like be able to work with people like this and help mm -hmm. challenge them and push them. And of course, yeah. like the authenticity must remain the same, but just, you know, getting it out there in a bigger and louder way because yeah. it's doing so much good in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. May it be so. <laughs> Let's take a little break. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So um, I was just getting lost in my thoughts a little bit because Emery's inspired me in so many things. But um, the biggest, I think, most profound impact that you've had on me is um, my spirituality. 
um, traveling and being in close quarters, sleeping and pooping and (laughs) eating and praying with Emery for two weeks in Nepal. Um, I came back with like a, I was always what Deborah calls me a spiritually hungry. Yeah. Um, but Emery sees the divine in everything. Like, <laughs> like in her food, in the clouds, in somebody crossing the street, in in everyone she meets and everything she sees, she like sees God or whatever mm. you know you want to call it, like divine, basically. And it's rare. Like I needed um, my altar and my incense and my mantra and all of these things to sort of like remember. Mm. But like you're constantly remembering. You know, and that's like the biggest thing that like, I think to me, we're very funny and we watch reality TV and we're like total assholes, but very human. We're, (laughs) there's something bigger going on here. And like, what, when did that, like, when did this daily sort of like, did this take work? Yeah. Cause even like, oh, we have a lot of very spiritual friends and our husbands and like, you're just like tapped in all of the time, even (laughs) when you're struggling, yeah, there's still like this gratitude or this, you know, prayer happening. And it's like wild to see someone so young. Right. I think that devoted and just where that comes from. Like, did you always? Yeah. Yeah. I actually like, and I didn't realize it until I like more formally got on the path, like had a more like established practice and met my guru and um, built, had my little altar and like a shrine room like that, all that like manifested very like physically, like later in my twenties or whatever, in my mid early mid twenties. But um, then when that happened, I started to go back because I started to ask the same question, like, where did this come from? Has this always been in me? And I remember like, I was reading like my old journals, like when I was like eight years old and there was like little like scribbles on the bottom being like, you should always love God when I was like eight years old Yeah. or like my, I, we had a Jamaican woman that lived and worked with us in my, in my family's house. She's deeply spiritual, um, and loved God. And I remember like asking her to like, give me a Bible or like, what was a rosary or like, I was, or like, why was the dot like dogwood tree considered sacred or whatever. Cause we have one in our backyard. Like I was, and I, I like, I forgot about that piece for so long in my life because I definitely went through periods in my life where my kind of discomfort within my own skin and my feeling like I never fit in because I was brought up in a very, very, um, homogenous white, uh, preppy environment. And I felt so out of place and I almost didn't even like I couldn't even name that yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um, and I got lost in um, just like I let the suffering of that like rain for a minute. Right. And then I came back around. Um, so I haven't always been like, like I've definitely been lost. But as someone once said, like you, if you're never lost, you can never be found. Um, and now it's just like, I mean, I realize it's always been the seed of everything. It's mm-hmm. like how I function as a human is by like acknowledging spirit and trying to just get closer and closer to it. Did I answer it that yeah. well? No, I think that you answered it really well. And I think for me, um, you and Trevor both have a, a very big platform and I think it's it's really obvious, um, to most, um, that you are deeply spiritual people and, and you don't shy away from it. He writes music about it. You talk about it all the time, but hanging out with you guys, there's never a, um, like preachy or Mm. like, it's just watching you live your life Mm. is what drew me closer into it. And of Mm. course I already, you know, had found a lot of the same teachers that you have and was, you know, curious and had this longing and, um, to go deeper, but then watching the way you guys are together and the way that, you know, you have these rituals and you're, you know, saying a prayer when you see the sky. I mean, it's just unbelievable (laughs) how like grateful and just like loving and devoted Mm. you are the devotion. That's the word. Yeah. And Trevor too. And, you know, some of my favorite nights and memories with you guys are, 
Trevor just telling stories yeah. about India. Like there's never a, you should believe this or you should right. do this or you shouldn't do that. And I think there's something so beautiful in just doing it. Yeah. And, and it profoundly affects, yeah. affected me and it's affected clay. And then, you know, now we yeah. have our altar and right. I think people, and then people come over to us and now they right. ask about it right? and they just see it. And it's just so, it's so beautiful because I think there's a lot of, you know, people out there trying to push their beliefs on other people. Yeah. There's nothing I can't stand more than that. Like, it's just, that's why to go back around to you being like, you need to be in it. Like, it's never been about me. Like, that's why I have, I've had struggled so much with like, quote unquote, branding myself because it's never, it, in the end of the day, it's never about us. Like we come and we go, we're like, that's it. Like it's, we are, we can be instruments for something, but it has nothing to do with like me. Right. It's what's flowing through. Right. And always put, it comes, we always say it comes from mother and it goes back to mother. Like that is it. And so I think I've struggled hugely with putting myself like, or my name first as my brand, like, because there's so many people out there that claim to have something that you don't have or they can yeah. give you a healing or they can, like, and there's nothing uh, that takes away other people's power more than that. Like yeah. it is all about recognizing the divine within all things. And there's so many teachers and gurus and people telling you like, this is the path and path and that's the path. And this is how you should pray. And like, it's, just comes back to honestly love and the heart and that's about it and anybody who tells you otherwise or tries to force something upon you it's just like there's nothing that makes my blood boil more than that love everyone and tell the truth love love all serve all and create no sorrow yeah i mean it's just it's it's that to me is like my favorite piece piece of you and i it's funny to talk about. And I think too, now finding such a deeply spiritual, like I, I'm like, I don't even want to say it out loud that I like found it, you know, yeah. like, cause it's, it's a continuing process, but it's something that happened for me in the yeah. last two years. And there's two pieces. It's one, I want to fucking share this with everyone yeah. because yeah. it's like, you don't know, <laughs> you know, like, but then there's something that happens. It's like, you know, and it's funny, like certain people, will ask me about my shrine or about my necklace or whatever. And those people, there's this like curiosity. And so I share, but I got really quiet about it. And, and which is the opposite of me. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm like almost, you know, it's so, so sacred. And so these people that are just out there like sharing it, screaming from the rooftops, you know, I think you guys do it in the most subtle but effective way um, through Trevor's music and through your art. And it's just, it's the last thing I expected to find, I think, (laughs) in our connection, you know, is this, this love. And now we all have it and, you know, we pray and our husbands also play NHL, you know, (laughs) together and we play cards and it's, it's all, it's all perfect. Yeah. There's nothing, uh, more unhealthy than uh, taking yourself out of the human because we're all human and we all have to live through the human experience. And honestly, to speak to like, I was just thinking like um, you were talking about like people who get preachy and stuff. And for both Trevor and I, like the, the, the way that we've been, we always say this, the way that we've like been most inspired or the people who have most inspired us are not the people who preach or who try and like teach us something. They're teaching through the way they live or through story. And that for me, like I consider myself a storyteller, like, and that's been a, a newer kind of revelation of mine of like what I'm here to do. And I realize I'm doing it through photography and through writing, but it's because the story has almost no ego. Like you're just sharing a moment with people and they take from it what they want, but you're not, you're not like, you're trying. So I try and take myself out of it like Mm -hmm. so much to the, to as much as I can, because we all like are learning through story. We're not learning through like when somebody sits down and tells you, this is the way you should pray versus seeing a Baba sitting under a people tree and next to the Ganges in India and seeing his devotion and his life that he's given up to like live under this tree and just be devoted to God. Like that will inspire me so much more than somebody that's standing at a podium telling me this is how to pray and this is how you reach God. Like when you're living it, 
Like yeah. that's what inspired. Those are all the people yeah. that have inspired me are the ones that are actually living yeah. it. And you guys really do live it. I think that is not that it was ever We're in trying. question, <laughs> but like you really do. I mean, even. And again, you're saying the same thing. You never said, oh, come sing the Hanuman Chalisa right. with me right. or like sit with me. It's just right. hearing you sing it over and over again made me want to learn it, mm. you know? And I think it's just, you know, continuing to inspire more and more people, which is exciting. I mean, just yeah. seeing, you know, how quickly this retreat sold out. Yeah. Um, so quickly that we launched another one right yeah. after and that sold out. Yeah. I mean, people are hungry. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's so exciting. Yeah. So we leave. Um, In the end of September. End of September. We'll be together for a whole, whole month. <laughs> in the Himalayas. Watch out, world. Two little blondes. Oh, my God. In the Himalayas. And it's perfect. And so yeah. we're taking two groups and – um, I mean, the people and the applications that just came through, there was just this little application process and people answering why they wanted to go to yeah. Nepal. It's just so cool. People are hungry and they're craving it for the right reasons. And I think it's because of people like you and Trevor and your teachers that are, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what you're here to do yeah. is share your stories and your art. And it's obviously working. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so thank you for being here and doing what you do and being my best friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know what I would do. <laughs> Same seats. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy year. We've done a We've lot. We've done a lot. Um, so I sort of wanted to end um, with the same questions I ask everybody. Okay. I'm bringing it back to the business for a moment because this <laughs> is a business podcast. But of course, um, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I had an astrology reading and um, she said, your purpose here is a spiritual one and you mask it with your marketing company. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's just a cover. I love to, it. To like be it's spirit. So true. Yeah. It's so true. To connect yeah. and love and yeah. whatever. And so, you know, it's, to me, it's all the same. And we were just saying this last night that yeah. like, um, you introduced me this week to a friend of yours who's very successful and meeting him was really interesting because, um, it's just such a, and destiny said this too yeah. on the podcast, it's half intuition yes. and connection and spirituality yeah. and then knowing what you're doing, being right. a really great businessman, experience, all of that right. stuff. But it really is both. Right. And that's what this podcast keeps coming back to mm. almost every time yeah. is like, and of, of course my guests are like rooted in more yeah. of the healing arts, um, but as business. Mm. And at the end of the day, you have a business, Trevor has a business, but it's not. Yeah. It's, that's not why you're no. here, not you know, and, and that's what comes through in mm. it. And it's just, it's amazing. So speaking of authenticity uh -oh. and being human, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love for you to share an inauthentic moment or decision or sort of choice that you've made around the business side of things and how that, you know, sort of affects things. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I think that um, as you grow, you're in, in any business, I think you, you're the amount of decisions that you make just exponentially grows and grows. Um, and as an artist, like for me, that's been in like, I've been collaborating more and more with people. Um, and that's been such an interesting one because I love the magic of collaboration, but it has to be so right for me. And it's rare for me to find people that um, I feel like I can get behind. And there's like a, a synchronicity there. And um, when it happens, it's magic. But what I've realized, I think, um, you know, as I've been uh, just working more with other people and kind of stepping outside of my own world and my own box, um, is that there are a lot of people out there, I think, that maybe aren't totally walking the talk um, or living, uh, or like aligned with your, yeah, your values and what you see to be yeah. people you want to. Yeah. Or just, there's a perception of who they are and what they do. And then you see them and you, and you meet the human and, and, and you're like, whoa, this is like this piece that I've seen of you is like a very small part of who you are. And it might be there for sure, but it's like, there's a lot of other stuff too there yeah. that might, um, not resonate with me or my values and stuff. And so I think like, uh, I've been in that weird position of like, uh, seeing that being like, Oh, like we're not aligning here. Like, this is like, this is not like my 
uh, we might not share the same like morals or values or whatever. Um, and yet this, this would be really good for my brand. And like this, this is like, there's a lot of like, um, content to be created here and a bigger audience to reach and having to make that decision of like whether or not to continue to work with them. And, um, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, Especially when you realize like after the fact, um, cause yeah. I've made a lot of dis like, yeah. you know, where I'm like, it's a fuck. Yes. yes. Like, and then I'm like, Ooh, this yeah. is not at all what yeah. I thought. And then how to sort of like come back to that. It's yeah. actually something we're working on in our business. Allie's making us yeah. sitting down with us and we're going to do our core values. Right. Um, but it's hard because at the beginning, yeah. a lot of people seem like they do align with your core values yeah. and then what, do, what you do when you realize right. that you've committed and there's a big following or money attached right. or ego or whatever it right. is. And that like pull from yeah. your soul to be like, shit. Yeah. I don't, and I, I don't want to like, like, it's not like the, per, I don't want to be like, I'm better than them or like, no, like I don't want to sound not, like that. It's not a It lie. just wasn't. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. Like it's not even to question their morals or value. I don't know. I feel like that. That's well, even no, too it, harsh. We're it's just saying they're not aligned with yours. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, they, I want to be we, clear. <laughs> yeah. We love all, we, you know, but love it's, all, serve all. it's, you know, same with authentic audience. Yeah. Like, I, there's a million people out there yeah. in this world that I could help, but there has to be, and I'm not for everyone. Yeah. And there has I'm to be either. this mutual thing, yeah. right? And it is not, it doesn't mean they're doing anything right or wrong or they're in it for the right reasons or they're not. It's to you. Yeah. You know, this isn't the situation I want to be in. Or yeah. Collaborate for sure. With. And, and that's all it is. And I think, yeah. You know, there when it's your business and it's like a big opportunity, yeah. it gets really hard. It does. It and does. But coming back into saying no, saying no is <laughs> such a big one. Oh my god! I mean, that's really what it is. For whatever reason, you know, it's, it's just, just saying no. Is it's so, so hard important. And there's strings attached, yeah. and there's things happening, and. But some of the best decisions I've ever made have been no's. Exactly. The ones that feel the best are often yeah. no's. Well, I think you are actually really good at setting boundaries for yourself mm. and have taught me that a lot. But, <laughs> you know, but I think oftentimes too, I think you, I've gotten into relationships too where you, you feel a little duped or, yeah. or whatever because yeah. it's not what you sort of signed up right. for. And it doesn't matter the circumstance. It's how do you sort of get back to and yeah. how do you avoid it? next time I think I that's the real question and I don't know if there's an answer to that but for mm. me it's coming up with these core values like okay like do right. they meet X right now? yeah and I think that it's just the experience of connecting with people and being able to read people better yeah but then the moment your gut speaks to you learning to say no as soon as it does. as soon as it no does. matter what yeah. it means don't keep going down the rabbit hole because it's only it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's a really good one. I think probably a lot of artists yeah. and photographers and content creators struggle sure. with that because you see this like huge opportunity. And then, you know, I was just talking to another photographer who got on the road with somebody Yikes. for like two yeah. months and yeah. it was like, oh my God. Yeah. You you'll know? really meet someone when you're living yeah. on the road with them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's a really good one for artists and just anyone that's an entrepreneur. Yeah. You just, you never sacrifice your integrity for a bigger audience like ever. A, I think I want to put that on like a quote. <laughs> Wait, never sacrifice your integrity for a bigger, bigger audience. audience. Oh yeah. my God, I love <laughs> um, okay, well, speaking of integrity, yes. um, let's share one of the more authentic moments or um, authentic moment that was maybe um, came out from like came from a lot of like hard work or yeah. you know decision yeah. making that just felt so. This is why I do this moment. Well, yeah, this is a deep one for me because it it's as of oh God, I don't even know where to start. Um, I'm in the interesting position of being, um, of looking the way I do and coming up from the upbringing that I have, um, and having a lot of my work be based in, um, less privileged, I guess I would say, um, places. And there's a, uh, the most common conversation I think of my life, um, specifically in my career is, uh, the constant, I guess, checking of like, uh, exploitation versus like celebration. Um, wow. and for me, um, I've seen 
other artists go into communities and really exploit them and make um, like decorations out of something that is like sacred and ancient. And um, I can very easily see how my work could be perceived as that. Mm. Um, And that um, I, I, while it's never my, that's never been my intention. It's always from a pure space. And I can say that with full conviction. Um, it's a conversation that has to happen daily for me. Um, and it gets brought up to me. Um, it's just a really interesting dance. And for me, um, I constantly go back to one, my intention and two, like, is my work uplifting or helping the people that are, that it's like the subject of my work. Right. So for me, it's giving a percentage back of my work to the people of Nepal specifically, um, or doing humanitarian work, um, and just presenting it in an authentic way. And also always asking people if I can take their photo. Yeah. That's one thing that you Um, do do whenever we get into a little village and they really want it is the thing. I'm not trying to stereotype or categorize, but in the small villages that we visited, people were so excited to get in front of the camera. And the most fun part was seeing their reaction. So Emery like, we'll take a bunch of photos and then immediately turn around and show them. Yeah. And their faces when they see the photos of themselves. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, half of them have never seen a photo of themselves. No, for sure. And I think like just you're so respectful yeah. and it's one reason why I'm so excited for people to take you there yeah. or for you to take people there yeah. is because um the way in which you approach yeah. these people in these villages is just so much love so much compassion yeah on their level like sleeping yeah. on we sleep on their floors like they take yeah. care of us yeah I know it's ridiculous um it's ridiculous yeah. and I think I, the, yeah I love that and I think it's hard and it's something that has to continuously be a conversation. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you answer it quite eloquently every time it comes up. Yeah. And, um, I try. Yeah. I, yeah. But to get back to the authentic moment, yeah. speaking of, uh, like their reaction, right. Yeah. Um, there was, so I was my first trip to Nepal. I lived in a village, um, in an area of Nepal called Sindhu Palchok, which is up in the kind of mid Himalayas. And, um, I lived with a family there. The woman was named Sunmaya, the mom, and she had two kids and her husband there. Um, and they housed me for a week and you know it now they (laughs) loved me and fed me and gave me the only bed in their house, which I was mortified to find out about. And they refused to, um, let me sleep anywhere else. Um, and the love that I experienced there changed me. Um, and in that village, it changed me, um, and fast forward five years. Oh, was um, five years. Five years. Oh my god! Yeah. I didn't know that. And the earthquake hit Nepal, the major earthquake that killed thousands of people. Um, and I had found out about the earthquake when I was. We were living in LA at the time, and I'll never forget. I was all my ideas come at night because mm-hmm. I'm not a very good sleeper. And I was laying in bed, and I just like, woke Trevor up, and I was like, this idea just came to me. Because I was sitting there so distraught because I couldn't go back because a lot of issues that happened after the earthquake was a lot of people coming in that weren't equipped to help Nepalis and taking the power out of their, like, ability to help their own people um, and just they were – using resources that they didn't need to use like water and gas and just, I, I didn't want to become a part of the problem. And I, I'm not a nurse. I wasn't right. you know trained to like save lives. Right. Um, and I, so I felt a lot of um, helplessness in that moment and I was devastated and I realized like, okay, what do I have to give? And one of the only things I had to give was my photos. And I had hundreds of photos of probably almost every single person in that little village, um, just sitting on my computer. And I literally, it happened in, the earthquake happened in April. And I was like, I just have to go back. So I let, you know, post-earthquake stuff happen and, and, and time passed and Nepal was recovering. And in February, I flew back by myself to Nepal and I found somebody who could take me to that village. And I got on a bus for seven hours and then walked back into the village and had printed hundreds of photographs um, to give back to them. And and on my way back to the village, I started hearing about what 
had what the village's experience of the earthquake was. And I realized that, um, Sindhu Polchok was where the epicenter of the earthquake was. Mm. Um, and not a single home in the entire village was left standing. And you had photos of all And I had photos of all the houses. And I had even taken portraits of Sinmaya and her family standing in front of their house. Mm. And I showed up at the village. She hadn't seen me in five years. She probably, like, didn't even remember me. And I'll never forget. I knew exactly where the house was because I remembered the path so well. And I was walking on the path just totally choking up in tears, like, seeing this house that I lived in, in in just a pile of rubble. And there was this teeny little tin shed leaning up against the rubble. It was like three pieces of tin. And the guy, the Nepali guy standing next to me who was taking me to the house was like, oh, that's in my, that's where she's living now. And I literally just knocked on the tin door and she opened the door and we looked at each other and I like opened the album to like show her the photo of like me and her. And she just started crying and I started crying and it was hands down the best moment of my career. And I saw her go through that album like it was like gold, like just savoring every photo because I then learned that not only was that house not there, but her husband had left to go do kind of labor work in um, Dubai and she hadn't seen him in two years. And, and she had all, all of these photos. photos and with their little newborn. And so that was definitely, um, for me, I realized the power of imagery and the power of photography and, um, the entire village that night came around and I distributed all the photos and I just thought I can't give much, but I know that I can give these memories yeah. of a village that once was and people died. And, um, it was, yeah, to this day, I just... That's what it's all about. I think that might top any authentic moment that anybody <laughs> has shared on this podcast so far. Um, I mean, just such a beautiful person. And I, I, I'm so excited for people to listen to this because I think, you know, it's powerful when you share and I wish mm. you shared more. <laughs> I know you do. And I, cause I get so much of it, mm. you know, and like, I know this person and I think people see it, you know, mm. like they see you at shows and. The other day we were walking down the street with Trevor, mind you, oh and this girl stops us and usually, you know, we're used to it being like, oh my God, Trevor. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, are you the photographer? <laughs> and it just lights me up that people are seeing what I see, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel so lucky to get to experience sides of you and your family. I mean, I know your family now and you know yeah. mine and um, there's, it's all so authentic. Mm-hmm. Like it's all so real and just it's deep. It's like, so our friendship is so deep and so light at the same time. It's like, we're (laughs) laughing. (laughs) It's like, we're laughing and crying like by the second. And so I'm just, you know, excited to see what the next year, maybe we should do like a yearly check-in. I think we should, (laughs) because if it's anything like this past year, holy moly. So much has happened. And I think it's just getting deeper and lighter all at once. Like I was saying to Clay last week, like, we were reflecting on my 30th year. Yeah. Um, and I said it was the best year of my life. Mm. And also I've never been more miserable. <laughs> and it's like, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, so you dark know? comes and, light. you know, Trev and his, one of his teachers, the meaning of life is struggle. And yes. I like, you teach us so much, you know, that in those moments mm. of struggle, you guys really do, you know, come, come through. Yeah. And hello, you like picked me up in the most, like one of the hardest times of my life and my career wouldn't be here if you didn't believe in me and pull me out of my little cancerian shell. And no, trust me. I mean, I, my first website I worked on for two years, Krista, like I, (laughs) I, I, I'm a nutcase. I'm a perfectionist and you saw something in me, thank by Maharaji's grace. And my work is out there because of you. And that's your gift is you see like the beauty in so much and then you can pull it out of people and cry. <laughs> make me believe in myself. Like seeing Krista believe in me made me believe in me. And I definitely, when I got on that first phone call with you, I did not like believe in myself as an artist. And now? And I definitely do now. 
My work here is done. Yeah. Harium Tatsat. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I love you so much. Um, obviously, emeryhall.com. Um, you can yes. buy all of her prints, read her words. Um, we'll probably actually be announcing the next retreat pretty soon. I hope so. Um, so I don't even want to call it a retreat. It's a cultural immersion. Yeah. Like most amazing experience for your entire life. <laughs> life um Maybe so. yeah I can't wait to go back I can't wait for the rest of our lives I together. know you're stuck with me <laughs> <laughs> so uh thank you for joining us this was such a special episode I know it was for everyone as well um so so grateful as always thank you for being here and until next time keep growing 